Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com hb to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com hb or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Welcome to uh, episode, what is it, 103 of Real Hawk Talk. This is Brian. Nope. 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 104? Nope. Start nope. over. Shut it down. Nope. What? 105. 105? 105. 105. <laughs> wow. 105. All right. I can't count. So a lot of episodes of Real Hawk Talk. This is Brian Nemhauser, uh, a hot blogger on Twitter. Um we got a couple guys with us to start with, and Mr. Real Jeff Simmons is going to be joining in a few. Um, but let me welcome in the crew here. Uh, Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11. How you doing, dude? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. You know, um, football is good. Let's stick with football. Um, uh, Evan at Evan in SEA, not in SEA. Uh, how are you doing, man? I'm doing very well. The Seahawks are 2-0. Uh, the start to the season has been phenomenal. So looking forward to tonight for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's kind of I – mean, we had a pretty fun celebratory post-game show uh, with a few thousand folks uh, on, on a Sunday night. And I got to say, I've been just kind of soaking it in since then. I mean, um, guys – this team is 2-0. They have far and away the MVP leader in Russell Wilson doing everything that we've wanted him to be able to do. We've got really the number one most efficient offense, depending on your, your metric um, in the NFL. I would say we have the most dominant single side of the ball in all of football through two weeks with our offense. 
And even though the games have, you know, this last game was close and definitely could argue you should have lost it at the end, but didn't, I would say it felt like we've pretty much had every, both games in hand um, a, a long part of the way, even though this last one, we seem to make it harder on ourselves than we had to. So um, there's a lot going right. And there's a few things that we'll talk about that are not, um, but you know, I, I, Evan, you know, I'll start with you. Um, how are things going this season relative to how you expected them to go through two games? Yeah, the offense is everything we hoped it would be. Um, you know, one of the main storylines going into week two was, sorry, my dog just walked into the, into the room. One of the main storylines of week two was, are the Seahawks going to, you know, stay with that sort of heavy early down, um, passing usage and the Seahawks were not as aggressive as week one, but they were still pretty aggressive. They were, what did Derek say in the chat earlier? It was like 55% or something like that. Um, so the offense is everything it's, it's, you know, was chalked up to be, I think there's two really big surprises so far though. And let me start off with um, the first one that I feel like isn't being talked about enough. It is the quality of the special teams play. We have been harping on special teams for what feels like five, six, seven years now with Brian Schneider. This, this team has really, it's been a sore spot on this team. They've, you know, ranked everywhere from like 24 to 32 in the past several years. Um, Brian Schneider is on leave for personal, for personal reasons. We have no idea what's going on there, but his backup or his assistant, what is it? Ido Smith or Izzo Smith or something like that. Larry Izzo. Larry Izzo. I don't. I don't miss like a backup running back on the Falcons. Oh, is he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's something. You were close, kind of. Ido, Izo, something like that. Um, I'm impressed with what we're seeing from special teams. I'm sure we can talk about it later. But um, the run defense has also been surprisingly good through two games. I think we're ranked like top three in the NFL. So the passing defense has been very inconsistent. Although they've played, you know, really some top tier receivers and a passing offense in week one. So. Yeah, that was a very long answer to your question, but uh, the offense is carrying this team, and there's some improvements that need to happen on the defensive side of the ball. But how can you not be happy with what's happened through two weeks? Yeah, and Nathan, I want to come to you on this. Um, I, I do want to come back to you, Evan, about the 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 run rate or the pass rate on on neutral script. But Evan hit on a couple things. I mean, I'll run through it quickly. As of right now, the Seahawks have the number one ranked special teams in the NFL. Um, they have the number one ranked punt returner, the number one. Yeah. I think, I don't know if Michael Dixon is the number one punter overall, but he's, he's pretty close. Um, you've got the best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, uh, I think, I think, uh, you mean the highest rated passing game overall, you've got the second highest scoring team, uh, in the NFL, uh, behind green Bay. Um, and you've got the number one ranked run defense in the NFL. Um, those are all things that are going well. Uh, there's a few things that are not going so well. Um, but of they all have the, the number one ranked run defense by just yards or? Uh, I believe by DVOA as well, but I have to go back and check. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll check that. But, but so the question I had for you is of all those things, which of them is most surprising to you? That one, the run defense. <laughs> um, if it is by DVOA, I wonder if this is like a, a 
product of them having recently changed their formulas yeah, around runs. Five DVOA. Really? Yeah. That's is special quite... teams not a bigger surprise to you? Number one mm-hmm. ranked special teams by DVOA. Like that's a pretty shocking. Twist. They were like in the twenties last year and the year before. I'm pretty sure. Uh, no, not really. I mean, we know Michael Dixon can be really good. Um. I mean, Jason Myers is fine to have been that long, like into the season, so he hasn't had a chance to to tank or anything yet oh, uh, to implode. Uh, no, so special teams doesn't really surprise me too much. I mean, if they finish there at the end of the year, I'll be mildly surprised. But um, without Schneider there too, I mean that we've been complaining about him for a long time. So wouldn't be a huge surprise if they suddenly get a lot better without him there. Uh, no, the run defense, I'm really surprised by that. I mean. They look pretty shaky in run defense, I thought. Cam, you know, was really successful running against them. Um, uh, it felt like the times, you know, against Atlanta, their interior line was kind of crumbling. Um, so I'm surprised that, you know, they're holding up that well, especially if it's by DVOA. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, Cam actually, he did okay, but he, he was 11 carries, 47 yards, you know um so, so a lot of goal line situations though yeah. where you felt pretty unstoppable oh, yeah well i mean that's 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 pretty much the case i think with any i mean like i like i tweeted before he's run from the one yard line 19 times in his career the only time he's ever lost yardage was sunday night yeah um, so so he, he's pretty, like most most people are not stopping that guy from the one yeah and honestly it's always been crazy to me he didn't do that very much when he was in carolina against the seahawks there was a number of times Carolina had the ball on the one yard line. I was always like, Oh God, here comes the cam sneak. And they never did it. Like they almost never did it. So, uh, you know, I was, okay, I, we, can we, can we stop at this point for a second? Yes. Out of a hundred times with that QB snake, that cam QB snake on that goal line. So replay that exact Seahawk, uh, Patriot situation a hundred times over. How many times does cam score on that play out of 99? I completely agree. I completely agree. I, I thought that game was over. Nathan, do you disagree? What percent? No. Well, what percentage chance before the play, Nathan? Did you give the Seahawks to stop that play? What 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 was the percentage? The probability that they were going to stop that play? Uh, I mean, I don't know uh, if I can put a number. I was standing up, pacing back and forth like the entire <laughs> time before that play. I, I was not confident. The only thing that gave me hope is that like just everybody knew what was coming, and so. You know, it almost feels like they had no excuse not to stop it because it was just so obviously going to happen. And so, yeah, I was a little concerned that they were going to do something like they did earlier where they faked it and then he just kind of popped past it to the running back or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, uh, uh, yeah, I I had very low confidence. There's always these like explicit side chats. That are that are going on in this show between co-hosts. Hey, uh, things just pop up while hey, you're mid sentence. <laughs> hey, Jeff, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm gonna welcome you since Brian did not. Um, Waiting for him to actually like wipe his camera because I think all the smoke like, has moved from like angelic. Hey, oh, that's better. That's better. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was trying to fix. That's generous, but we're gonna get we're gonna get you. Get uh, it's your- not great. I might have to. Are you in? A, are you in like a sauna right now? Like a steam room? All right. Hey, give me a second. Let me get out of here. <laughs> Jeff. I love you. 
I'm like the old man. I can't figure this out. Didn't didn't I give you the good backdrop, dude? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to load. You just had it. You just had it. No, that was that was the solid blue. I'm on the right now. Um. Yeah. So so Nathan, um, similar question. When the Patriots got the ball back with like 147 to go or whatever it was, and they were down by five. Is that what they were down by? I can't remember what they were down mm-hmm. by. Um, right? Yeah, that's what they lost. Yeah. By. How confident were you that the CX were gonna stop them from scoring? Uh I don't know how confident I was right when it happened, but uh it plummeted like immediately. I mean they just um, like from the first play it was obvious like oh they're going just all the way down the field mm-hmm. um so I, I don't remember being like too nervous uh going into the drive um because they hadn't been especially dominant passing like they hadn't um had a lot of trouble but they also weren't just like going nuts or anything um but yeah yeah, uh, it rapidly became a concern. Evan, you had made a big, big deal before this game about they better not go below 55% pass rate on neutral script. They better not do it or it's going to be catastrophic. They were 53% or 54% pass rate on neutral script. Would you like to restate whether it was catastrophic that they that they were under 55%? pass rate on neutral script was 55 the threshold that's what you said yeah i mean they ran the ball a lot but like they were also like effective at running the football Uh felt like this game so i'm not gonna it's not like we were bashing our heads against like a brick wall like they were effective at running the football so i'm not gonna complain about it um they still you know have were more aggressive in last game than they were in years prior. So like, yep. regardless, this is like a big improvement. And then you take into the context that the Patriots have one of the best passing defenses in the NFL. Um, I'm not going to complain about 53% at all. Okay. All right. Well, um, but so let's, let's, let's talk yeah. about that for just a second. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, they ran quite a bit more than they did, especially, you know, compared to week one. And it did feel like, you know, okay, the, the running game's not, not a black hole. You know, they're, they're kind of mixing this in together. Russell's still, you know, cooking. But, you know, if you go and look at the numbers here, you know, uh, Chris Carson had a negative 0.01 EPA, which for a running back is pretty great. Anything approaching positive territory for a running back is very good. And he had a 44% success rate. Also pretty good for a running back. Russell Wilson had a, a 0.35 EPA per play. So, like, every three passes he threw was effectively a point. And he had a 68% success rate. Like, this is the thing with running and passing is that, like, even when the running game is, like, feeling okay and, and doing its thing a little bit, like, it, it, Russell was still just, like, light years more efficient and productive than the running game was. And so I'm not going to be mad about, like, the, the approach too much. I, I think they should have passed more probably um but they they didn't you know go back to like the dallas playoff game plan or whatever you know what's you know what's interesting nathan is carlos hyde actually had a positive epa he did yeah his success rate was a little lower we we can talk about this too in a little bit i I have a kind of a hot take about this it's hard for me to it's hard for me to tell those two apart when they're out there like 
they look a lot alike just build wise they run a lot alike neither looks particularly more productive or effective out there to me um i even thought homer looked okay i'm kind of surprised with how much time carlos hyde is getting maybe i just underestimated how many snaps he was going to get but i i just felt like carson was going to be the bell cow for this offense i think it's a little deceptive i mean he did have three times as many carries as as hyde what was the split as many carries or three times as many touches 17 to 5 on carries and oh yeah 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 Three. Oh, only had five so, carries. What's that? He only had five carries. Doesn't high? it feel like more? Well, I, think I think he just the first he half thrown into the club by Chase Winovich on pass pro. I think they stopped. <laughs> I, I think... thought he looked pretty good. Like when he bowled over a guy on the sideline once, he does. Like what Nathan said is true. He kind of looks a lot like Carson. Like there are times where Carson has that just explosion that he doesn't have, and like the ability to turn like the four yard run into seven that he does so well, but. A lot of times when he runs those like power runs up the middle, I mix them up a lot because their numbers are similar. I'm like checking for numbers after every run now. Like that, who was that? High? No, okay, Carson. Or you know, it's crazy for me. It is like night and day watching the two of them run. Like Hyde is significantly less explosive and significantly less angular on his cuts than than Carson and. I don't know. Like I grit my teeth every time I see that Hyde is in there. And, and in the first half he was getting more reps. And then in the second half, they pretty much didn't play him very much. And that was totally fine with me, but you know, borne out by the numbers. They, they're, they were basically exactly the same. Nathan, can you explain to me how cam came away from that game with a 0.48 EPA per play? I know, I know he looked really good, but that's 0.13 more than what Russell had. As the resident stats nerd, can you explain that to me? <laughs> um, well, so he had hit one pick, no fumbles, very few sacks. Uh, How much does he, that Russell Wilson pick six fa- factor into this? Is my, is my... <laughs> probably a lot. Yeah, it probably hurts him quite a bit. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, he when when they threw uh he was picking up chunks he was picking up first downs quite a bit he was on those those comebacks against dunbar he finally got bit by that but yeah i I think uh it doesn't that's it's a little high but uh, i don't know it doesn't surprise me too much that he he did that um so one of the things that came Uh, out ahead of the game Sorry, quick update from Derek, uh, who's listening. Said the pick six was minus nine and a half expected points. So pretty massive. Holy <laughs> cow. How does yeah. how does giving up six points equal negative nine and a half? Because they had they had the ball. So they were expected to score three points, three uh, and a half points from where they were. And then it going back the other way was obviously six. So that's a bummer. Um so one of the rumors that came out before that game was that uh, Pete Carroll might be talking about an extension with the Seahawks. If tomorrow that got announced, Nathan, what is your immediate emotional reaction to that news? <clears throat> um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a strong emotion. I, honestly, my, my first thought is I hope 
this doesn't make him feel comfortable and have him go back to the way they were playing before. Um, you know, if we get through an entire year and they keep playing like this and Russ gets an MVP and they extend him, I'm going to be really excited. Uh, but two games in, if he gets an extension, that'll still be my big thing with him is that, you know, proving that this is real and proving he's committed to it and that, you know, they're going to actually change how they play offense a little bit. Evan? Yeah. Oh, God. No, it's, what's your gut right now? Like, I'm conflicted. Know? It's, it's, it, I don't want to say exactly just what Nathan said. Like, if Pete has truly evolved ever so slightly, like in terms of the offense and, you know, what, what they call in terms of run pass splits on early downs, um, it's hard not to, if that's real, it's hard not to be excited about him being in the fold for five more years. Um, I have questions though, about whether he can truly rebuild. And this is part of a John Schneider question too, but I do have questions if they could truly rebuild a, a top four or five NFL defense again. Um, and I think that has to be weighted pretty heavily whenever you discuss Pete Carroll is his early defenses were very good. Obviously um, when he initially joined the Seahawks 20, you know, 2010, 2011 through 2015, 2016 is where the Seahawks defense like really kind of uh, stopped being excellent. So I'm conflicted, but I mean, it could be a lot worse. Yeah. It's interesting, Jeff. I mean, these two jokers over here have been very clear the past few years that, that, uh, you know, Pete Carroll is great as if he would just give over the reins of the offense to an offensive coordinator and let him run. Oh, I got to mention one thing. I'm sorry. I have to interject here. I, I mentioned this on Sunday and we got to talk about this for a second. If you extend Pete Carroll, you know, who's probably getting hired away as a head coach is Brian Schottenheimer. Mm-hmm. So, so with that consideration, you have to be willing to let Brian Schottenheimer walk. And I'm not saying it's going to happen. They could do everything they can to keep him in the fold, but Shoddy and Russ are really cooking and they're clicking together. And if, if you had to ask me right now, do I want Shoddy or Pete Carroll for the next five years? I think the answer is Shoddy. That's an interesting question. It is. Even if they yeah. go back on how they, how they play offense, I, I think you have to take Pete still. Tell me why. I mean, well, and Brian, I'm like, obviously you would agree with that, I think, but like, no, I'm, cu- I'm curious. I'm curious what your logic is. Well, I mean, Pete is pretty established. He's been pretty successful. I mean, Brian Schottenheimer is like, this is a guy that we dreaded when he got hired and has played a very conservative brand of football. I mean, we, we give Pete a hard time about this, but like, shoddy is every bit like right there with him and and to his credit i mean this offense is different now and it seems like he spearheaded that and so maybe there's more to it but to just i don't know if i'm quite ready to turn it all over to schottenheimer two games into a uh an evolution over you know a guy who's done a pretty good job here overall that's interesting jeff i'm gonna make it hardest on you you have two choices two choices extend pete carroll or lose Brian Schottenheimer, or keep Brian Schottenheimer. Sorry, those are your two choices. Um, Say it again. Sorry, either you extend Pete Carroll, or you keep Brian Schottenheimer. Those are your only. You can't have as both. Head coach or as coordinator, as head coach, you can't have both. I would take Pete. Uh, 
I like Braun Schoenheimer, Braun Schoenheimer uh, the developments he's done with Russell as a coach. And I'm just reaching here. Uh, this is not something I would be privy to, but Brian Schoenheimer doesn't strike me as a head coach. And I think me and Brian have talked about this. He strikes me as a very, very good coordinator. And you see a lot of coordinators who make the jump up and they just don't have, they're just not meant for those jobs. It's, it's more of a CEO position. And Brian Schoenheimer, who's just learning to call plays from the sky box and his, it, he, but if he becomes head coach, he might lose sense of the play calling and, on the positive side, we know how he wants to play and we know he wants to maximize Russ. So that is a good thing. But I think if you put a head coach in there who kind of doesn't know what he's doing and has to learn on the job, I think there's a lot of other impacts that that will create. And I think there is a much better chance of Pete finding another coordinator, even if you put Bevel back and put him in this kind of offense again, they can work that or find another coordinator who will let Russ cook. But I think switching head coach I think that's it's a whole other that's a whole other wild card and there's tons of variables that makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah, I I think it's a really good question because I do give Shadi credit for what's happening on offense. Um, I think he, I think he has wanted to play this brand of football. I think that his reputation coming in has been as a conservative play caller, but it's also been that he had a very complex, sophisticated offense that actually expected a lot of the different players and not everyone was able to execute it. I think we're starting to see some of that come to life. I thought one of the best play calls I've seen from a Seahawks offense in the last few years happened in this Patriots game with Tyler Lockett in the backfield. That was a hundred percent, a scheme driven wide open touchdown. How often have we seen that? And how often have we just been jealous of other teams when it's like, they schemed someone open. It wasn't like an amazing throw by the quarterback or some heroic play. It was just a good play call. And so, like, I do think that, that Schoenheimer deserves a lot of credit. I do think that he has been employing analytics more than Pete has in the past, or at least different or more modern analytics. So, um, but so, honestly, my gut, I feel like there's other Brian Schottenheimers in the league. I'm not as sure that there's there's other Pete Carrolls that can do what he's done with the program. So that's that's why for me I, I lean towards Pete. So do any of your answers change if I could guarantee you that the last two weeks are what the offense would look like in the future under Brian Schonheimer? Yeah. Yeah. If you can get I mean, but it, that goes either way. If you can guarantee me that it'll continue to look like that with Pete, I would say, yeah, keep Pete. Yeah, you can keep this offense for- going. Yeah, a big factor for me because, yeah, if you're maximizing Russ, that's – we're seeing it now. Like, the Seahawks have a pretty horrible defense, and it looks like they can still win any game. So, clearly the best way for this team to win is maximizing Russ rather than trying to worry about being a complete balanced team. So, if you can tell me that Shoddy can get a great defensive coordinator to pair up with and kind of ease his, like, load a little bit, then, yeah, that's a great situation. Because you're seeing it now, even with the Seahawks playing atrocious defense, they can win any game. And that's what you guys have been calling the Russ Cook thing for. Because you're seeing it in action. This is how they win. Like, they don't even need to play defense so they can win. I think the funny thing here, though, is, well, maybe it's not funny, but my honest opinion on this, I think Brian Schottenheimer's in the Russ like in a similar situation of Russ as the, like, I don't think the reputation nationally matches what our appreciation is for him locally. So I don't know that there's going to be people lining up to hire Brian Schottenheimer. Like, but if he has an MVP year where 
I think that not. certainly it's not out of the question, but I don't think like if they have an MVP this year and they win a Super Bowl this year, I don't I don't expect that he's going to be hired as a head coach somewhere next year. I like the cook. Uh, Russ Cook has really become a national story now, and you see it everywhere. Like Peter King, who was like seventy years old, wrote that story this week. So it's not just Twitter. Like if he gets that attention, that's the kind of thing that attracts owners. And like Russ's play is everyone's talking about it. It's not just Seahawks Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you might be right. I, it's just a feeling. I, I, I don't, I don't think he's got a lot of respect around the league necessarily as a, as a play caller. And I don't know, I don't know if one season is going to be what, what does it, but who knows? Who knows? Um, I was going to make a comment, but I, I, I won't. Um, about what kind of coaches seem to get chances in this league and what coaches don't. But uh, nepotism. So, um, anyway, uh, I mean, one of the things I, I do think we should talk about is the defense. And as much as we're excited about the offense, I think, and we could say, hey, the run defense has at least statistically been good. Let's assume that for a second, even though we have some questions about it. How do you guys feel about this defense? Like, do you feel like this is destined to be as bad as it's been so far? Do you feel like it's that the Seahawks have been ahead the whole time and that's leading to a different type of defense and, and numbers that are inflated? Do you think this defense can trend up? from where they are like where where's your gut about is is this a defense we have and we should get used to it or do you see chances for this defense to actually get better um over time um and nathan i want to start with you uh yeah i saw a comment somewhere the other day that was like i think we have to stop saying this could be the best secondary in the league and i was like oh right we did say that didn't we um and that looks real dumb right now, but maybe there's still some hope um, that I, I don't know. I mean, Quill and, and Dunbar, Dunbar had that pick and that was, that was, that was nice, but like, they've been just super disappointing so far. Uh, and then suddenly Jamal Adams is getting shredded by Edelman, which was really confusing. Um but, I mean, if you're looking for hope, I think that's probably still where you go. You know, Dunbar was the number two rated corner by PFF. Quill had a great year last year, was top ten, right? Um, you know, Diggs, Adams, obviously amazing. Um, we'll see what they do at nickel. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that's where my hope is. Getting Jordan Brooks involved, I mean, we'll see if he can be a difference maker. I think there's definitely a chance of that. Um, and then, yeah, if this run defense thing is legit, then – there's the talent, there's the pieces in place to kind of at least rate the ship a little bit. Well, let's not forget top 10 in the NFL interior defensive lineman pass rush win rate, Brian Monet. <laughs> yeah, that's sustainable. That's real. That's real. <laughs> that's a real stat. He is top 10 in the NFL in interior defensive lineman and pass rush win rate. He was the Seahawks' top top ranked pass rusher by PFF last week, and it wasn't a good ranking, but it was what, their top ranked pass rusher. What What was Brian Monet like doing before football this year? Like, was he like an insurance agent? Like, <laughs> he was like, on a 
Futures contract with Seattle, right? He was here last year. He played last year, dude. Yeah. How he much did he play last year? He played in the Packers game, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so like the NFL was his like side gig, like a few hours a week, you know, State Farm agent during the week. No. It's just unreal. I mean, so Evan, where are you on this defense? Are you expecting this group to, to get better? Or are you just like resigned to this being what we're going to see all year? They can get better, but I have two real concerns. Depth is a major issue. I mean, obviously, like, especially when it comes to the pass rush, like they have no real names whatsoever. Um, There's depth issues there. Rasheem Green went down. He he is a linging stinger that's like, or a lingering stinger that like hasn't gone away. He hasn't practiced yet. Pete Carroll didn't sound positive about about him today, but I think what Nathan said about the cornerbacks was spot on. That was a group that we expected to be, and sure, it's only through two weeks. I think Dunbar has played better than Shaquille, but um, Shaquille has been really disappointing so far. I don't don't know if we're talking enough about how bad he played in week one. He he seemed to play better last week, but still not great. He's somebody that, this is the problem. Shaquille has such huge expectations around him. He's in a contract year. His camp is asking for huge money. We, we've seen that through rumors in, in the press um, and off the record. Like, like that is a player you expect to be a leader on this defense. And I know it's only two weeks in, but Shaquille's got to step it up. If this, if this defense is going to be, you know, if it's going to improve over the year, it only happens if Shaquille plays better football. I, I truly believe that. Jeff, I mean, if I was to ask you how many – Seahawks starting defenders are are graded below 60 by PFF. 60 is just rotational level player. How many would you guess are below 60? Are the starting 11? Uh-huh. Eight? It's a good guess. Um, it is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So um I'm double counting a little bit because Ugo and Marquise show up there. Um, so does Delano uh, or yeah. Leno. They have him as Delano. Sorry. Um, but I think those guys all count as guys that are getting significant reps or have been getting significant reps. The guys that are under 60 are Quentin Dunbar, Ugo Amadi, Benson Mayoa, Shaquille Griffin, LJ Collier, Quandre Diggs, Marquise Blair, and Leno Hill. Where's KJ at? KJ's second best on the team, but this is the problem. The top-ranked defender on the Seahawks right now by PFF is Bobby Wagner. He's 77. So that's that's quality starter, but that is not – like the first week he was up near elite, like 87, you know, level, and and he he did not do that last week. So to answer your original question – I think there's a couple things that you can see areas improve. Last week was a perfect example in the secondary of just how important certain roles are. And like when you took Quandre Diggs out of this defense and Pete mentioned this, and I mentioned this a bunch during our chat and post game show, Jamal Adams was forced to play a role that just doesn't fit his game. He's not a deep center field player. He's an attacker, Troy Paul Malu kind of 
and he got exposed trying to play that role. And he looked out of sorts, and Edelman beat him over the top. And you can see Pete even today was annoyed about it. So if you have Diggs there and you have Adams more in an attack role and having to take away those seams, and if Dunbar gets more comfortable and Shaq plays better, none of those seem out of the realm. Because Shaq's had a pretty quiet start. Dunbar is starting to get comfortable. He's starting to break on balls a little bit. And But the big problem with the defense, and we talked about back and forth how many times, like, was this year's pass rush better than last year? We had that debate over and over and over. I think there was good cases for both sides. I was on it was better, but no one would have said, if you take this year's pass rush and remove probably three of their four best players on the D-line in terms of pass rushers, Rasheem Green, Bruce Irvin, Daryl Taylor, those were guys we all counted on in that argument. And you take that group and take out three of their guys, there's just not – there's just nothing there. They look like, like a practice squad unit. and they're, they're not adding outside help, and it's just – it's hard to see how that group comes along. So you got to hope the back seven carries the defense because it's hard to imagine – the personnel turning around. Benson Mayo is playing like 90% of their snaps right now. Yeah, he's not, he's, he has been a significant disappointment. But it's, uh, it's setting him up to fail. Like, how can he can't be that kind of player? He's been a rotational player's whole career. Who could have ever seen that coming? Don't you dare take pleasure in that. Oh, I'm not taking pleasure he's in it. He's playing below his, he's playing below his card. It was he's just so even... predictable, Brian. We talked uh-huh. about this. Like he he's played positional roles his entire career and he came in here and he's asked to be asked. He's being asked to play a full-time role. Like it's a difference. I'm pretty sure that you're getting slipped some quality information from somewhere because you've had a lot of pretty good predictions and I can't imagine they're actually coming from you. So like what what pretty good predictions you've been on about the Cardinals, right? You've been on about the 49ers. You've been on about uh, Benson Mayoa so far, right? Like, um, I might be missing a couple, but you've you've had a couple, couple good predictions, and we give you a lot of crap. But I, you know, um, and a lot of people like have very little respect for your football <laughs> IQ. But like, I think that you have demonstrated that maybe you know things that other people don't. Well, John Schneider and I, you know, we. Uh... We go on dates every other evening. Josh Snyder so. signs Benson Mayo, and then he secretly tells you he sucks. <laughs> Just like, don't expect it. <laughs> no, I, 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 serious. I, I was actually thinking about that the other day. I'm like, you know, Evan's been right about a lot. We give him a lot of crap, um, but you, you, you know, I, I don't know what voodoo you're doing because I don't know if the logic checks out to me about how you got to those conclusions. Um, if, if you're talking process versus results, but a, a results related evaluation, I think you've been, you've been dead on, man. So, so good on you for that. Um, I have some future dark so, magic up my sleeve. <laughs> I have some predictions you don't want to hear about. Okay. Would you like to share? No, I, I, that's why I specifically <laughs> said I, you don't want to hear about them. So here, I'm going to tell you guys a reason why to be optimistic about the Seahawks defense. Um, they have the second easiest opponent schedule in terms of offensive efficiency, the rest of the way, the only team that has an easier schedule from an opponent offensive efficiency perspective is Dallas. Yeah. Well, I was going to say speaking, maybe they have it the easiest over the rest of the way, but they do have one more tough one coming. 
Yeah, this is going to be hard for them. Oh, sure. I mean, they, they, it's not that they have no more tough ones. I think actually Buffalo is top 10. The Rams twice are are ranked third right now um, from an overall offensive efficiency. But I mean, I'll run through it really quickly. Dolphins, 22nd. Vikings, 25th. Cardinals, even though Evan loves them, 23rd. Um, 49ers, 20th. They get both of those teams twice. Eagles, 32nd. Giants, 31st. Jets, 29th. Redskins, 30th. Like, yeah, so I want to I want to get back to the defense in a second because there's another Patreon question we should get to. But so they have a stretch. Uh, they have a four game stretch uh, where they play the Eagles, the Giants, the Jets and the Washington football team. What do you think their point differential will be across all four of those games combined? Does anyone think that, that it will be less than like a hundred? <laughs> I was thinking like 70. Okay. Like they play this style, they could actually blow people, blow some teams out for once. I mean, well, that, maybe, you're, you're talking about more than 20 points. Oh, you're talking about it four game span, right? So you're talking yeah, about yeah. Like 25 point differential per game. I mean, those are, those have got to be by far the four worst teams or, or maybe, I mean, maybe not the giants, yeah. but wait, the repeat the four teams, awful. repeat the, the four teams, Eagles, the Eagles, the giants, the jets, and the Redskins. The giants Washington are playing Devontae Freeman. That's, that's our upcoming schedule. Yeah. Weeks 12 through, well, sorry. 12 through 15. Yes, that's right. That, cool. That's good because if, that, if the Seahawks can hold up in their division games, that's the area that secures you the first round bye. Bingo. And I know you hate it when I say that, but you're right. Um, more, more on Twitter. It's more of like a, a verbal thing. <laughs> Did you guys have a thing about bingo? I say bingo a lot and it irritates it the Will shit out of Jeff. <laughs> it drives me and Will nuts. Why does it drive you guys nuts? It's just you saying I'm right in a way. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay let me revise the over under here let me let me You're revise the over under yeah it uh over under 68 points for those games so that, that's a go, 17 an average of 17 points a game i'm gonna go over on that 70 the point the differential yeah the point total point differential i'm gonna go 70 is is, is my guess I'm, I'm over on it i won't say push just for you uh, thank you thank you <laughs> i think it's under Tua could be starting. You just Dolph- predict no. That's not the Dolphins. Oh. Eagles, Seahawks, <laughs> Jets, Kevin, Washington this is why football don't team. Trust your your predictions. You know, like you can't pronounce a name. You get the wrong players on the wrong teams, and then you get like the hard stuff right. <laughs> under, under, still. Jeff, how about you? I'll go over. Those teams suck. Evan, you just predicted they were going to beat the Patriots 41-10, and now you can't muster up a 17-point win over the Jets. There's zero consistency. That, that's correct. That's correct. <laughs> that, that, right. hey, Nathan, okay, so that could be a trap game, but we could talk about that later. Nathan, I, I, I don't know if you or Evan, but I know we've been we've, in our Patreon chat, and by the way, folks should sign up at patreon.com slash hawkblogger. We have been growing by leaps and bounds. We've got a really healthy community over there now. It's driving Evan crazy because I keep sending him emails to add people to <laughs> to our Slack channel. We're over like a few hundred people in there at this point. Um, and we're taking questions from there, uh, at least a few every show. So uh, Nathan, we talked about you driving this segment. Um, do you wanna, you wanna handle this? Well, you, already, you already stole one of mine. Okay, so, which was it? Shout out Udit. I, I hope I got that right. Um, 
he had the question about you know reasons for optimism for the the defense oh well i'm uh, not done with that one yet can i just okay. add a little bit more before so the other things i'm optimistic about i think we've seen pete maybe it's pete maybe it's ken norton whoever hold back young talent sometimes in the last few years when i think they could have made a bigger impact marquis blair last year is a perfect example um and so they have to play jordan brooks now i thought they were going to play cody barton they've now confirmed they're going to play jordan brooks jordan brooks is good he's going to be good i think there's a potential he could be really good so i'm excited about that i think ugo amadi is good and i'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him out there i thought he made a, a good impression in his first game um and then Alton Robinson, don't know, don't know. I'd rather have, I don't know than what I've seen so far. So <laughs> I'm like looking forward to seeing whether Alton Robinson can do something. Last thing is Demontre Moore. Um, not huge. I'm not saying he's going to be the second coming, but he was more effective on the edge in his few snaps <laughs> than Bruce Irvin was in his whole game. So I, I, I'm interested. They're going to be forced to play some of these guys. Maybe we'll see some growth. And for as much as we give, a lot of make a lot of jokes. Brian Monet is over 70 graded by PFF um, and is playing pretty well. So maybe he will earn more rotational snaps and take snaps away from Jaron Reed, which I know would make you guys really happy. So those are some things I would say. Are we going to, we should talk about the Cowboys. One sec, one sec, one sec. We got one more. Let's do one more Patreon. So, uh, uh assuming uh all right so uh who name two guys that you would want one or two guys you'd want to see seattle sign on the defense and i'll throw out a bunch of names here this is from colin uh in the patreon chat so clay matthews snacks marcel darius jabal sheard cam wake terrell suggs uh reggie gilbert antoine antoine woods carrie Wynn, Corey legit sylvester williams kyle love damata pecco brooks reed on and on Earl Mitchell, I didn't know he was still out there. Breland Speaks, they had him in. Any of those names? Anybody? Is there anybody that you want to see him grab? Let's just take Snacks off the table because I'm sure everybody would like to see Snacks. Just for if for nothing else, he seems to be a solid defensive tackle. Is there any other like what happened to Marcel Marcel Darius or whatever? Is he still a free agent? He's out there. Yeah. Available. Yep. That just seems like a no brainer. Him Doesn't or Snacks? It? Yeah, him or Snacks. I think. They seem to like Rush and Monet. They seem high on that. I know. It's... I you know, and that's fine. I mean, maybe maybe we're all going to eat some crow on Monet, but I'm just surprised they don't want more bodies. That's that's what I don't get. Like Reed is playing so many snaps. And yeah, got to limit his effectiveness, and they don't have anyone who can really push the pocket from there. I think they need another edge guy. I don't. Think I think that's. I think it's a desperate. Like, I hate. Clay Matthews, and I think I would hate to have to cheer for him, but I think they need to sign him or Cam Wake or someone who can just bring some speed on the edge because unless DeAndre Walker, I think that's how you say it, he yeah. can do it. They just don't have enough speed coming off the edge, and they don't have – like Benson Mayoa, even if you are super optimistic, he can't be playing 90% of snaps, even if you think he can jump to that role. That's just setting him up to fail. So they need some more speed off the edge because – I don't even know if Daryl Taylor is going to play this year. It sounds very pessimistic every time. It does. I mean, honestly, Jeff, you'd brought up in chat about Ryan Kerrigan and I would rather them trade for Ryan Kerrigan than any of the guys we just named. Even if it was was a third round pick, 
I would trade a third round pick for Ryan Kerrigan. You give up clowny compensation for him? Yeah, because I think this is a Super Bowl team. I really do. I, I think I think that the offense is that good and the defense, I think I think the defense is gonna be good. I think the defense I think they're gonna win a Super Bowl with the defense they have now. I think it's gonna be lower probability. But if you can get some playmaker on the line to actually get to the quarterback every once in a while, I think it makes a difference. I'm um, gonna I'm gonna say something I regret, Brian. Okay. Yeah, I want to hear it. Does it I'm involve gonna, your nipples? It does not involve my nipples. Okay. It's time we bring in Clay Matthews. Oof. Never thought I'd hear you say that. It's time we bring him in. They, they gotta even, do something. I'm that I, I, I'm that I'm that desperate at this point. He was pretty bad. I think last year he was pretty decent with the Rams, but there's a reason he's on the street right now. Like, yeah, I, I mean, he had eight and a half sacks or something last year. But guess who else had like eight and a half sacks? Bruce Irvin and and Ben Mayo had seven sacks. And I, I mean, we're just not seeing it. I, I think Kerrigan is a legit like. Not top shelf pass rusher, but he is he's above average. He's an above average pass rusher. Uh, it just would be hard to go into those division games and have this defensive line be the thing that keeps them from getting that first round bye because the rest of the team is right there. And it, it, it's going to be hard to win those division games with getting no pressure on Jared Goff, for example, or Jimmy G, who are guys who wilt under pressure. So, yeah, I mean, I do think, I mean, we, we can start transitioning to talk about the the, the Cowboys game. Um, unless there's other things you want to guys want to handle here. If you want to sprinkle more patron questions, we can. But um, I was watching the Cowboys game and they're pretty susceptible to blitzes. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're offensive line. And we don't know if uh, Tyron Smith is going to play. They were missing. They did not practice today. Did not practice. Well, he's got a neck thing, which is very. Yeah. It's very unsure. It's very unsure right now per Cowboys beat reporters. And so, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if this is a week where the Seahawks do get three sacks in a game, which isn't great, but like. I I'm going to take the over on that, actually. Really? They're all, that Cowboys offensive line has really struggled. It is yeah. not the Cowboys offensive line that we've seen in like previous years. Right uh, Collins is out for the season and the yep. center with the Hall of Fame caliber player retired. Yeah, they, it, it's Travis not. Shepard. It's not the Cowboys offensive line anymore. No, there. I came on our show. We did an impromptu podcast before the season, and I said I thought they were the best roster in the NFC. And just through a bunch of injuries and some personnel issues, they look really weak across the board other than the passing game. Their defense looks bad. Like They are a much different team than I thought they would be. So that's a pretty good segue. So why don't we – chat about the Cowboys and at the very end we could go rapid fire Patreon questions. How does that sound? That sounds I think good. we're good on the I Patreon. Do, I do have to slip something in there because someone was asking in the chat about Quentin Jefferson and how he's doing and you guys were so excited about his first week because he played so well. He was a 55 graded player last week which is what he's been most of his career. What was he in week one? He was an 80. Like he was he was a good player for like like three games last year. Like he, he, you guys overvalue that guy, but he would be our best defensive lineman this year. <laughs> not, not, not going to argue that. Not going to argue that. Um, all right. Cowboys. Uh, what do you guys make of this team? 
they 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 were awful. I mean, did you? I know you guys saw the end. Did you see the beginning? Did you see the four fumbles in the first quarter? Like they were dropping the ball all over the place, and there was fumbles they didn't even lose that they fumbled, or that weren't called fumbles. Like I think they had like five fumbles, and their defense is awful. And now it should Awuzie uh, doesn't look like he's going to play. They might lose their other corner as well. Um, Diggs, Trayvon, right? yeah, Trayvon Diggs. Um, but Elliot's great. Dak is great. Uh, CD Lamb, uh, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup are great. What's your level of concern about this game against this team? Um, and Jeff, let's start with you. Um, in terms of the passing game or overall? Overall, like, yeah. So not nearly as high as I would have. Going into the schedule, this seemed like the game that was like an automatic loss for Seattle when Seattle was bungling their defensive line and Dallas seemed like an up-and-coming team with the same coordinator in place. Mike McCarthy seemed more advanced. But while I watch both their games, they look just totally they're, – they're like a much worse version of the Seahawks issues, but without Jamal Adams. And the passing game is very good. They have three very impressive receivers. Dak played very well this week after kind of a slow first game. But their defense is just – they just – they've lost some defensive linemen. Uh, Gerald McCoy was a guy they signed. He's out for the year. Yep. So they have just no defensive tackles. Their corners are – the biggest thing for us is their two corners might be out. And Anthony Brown, one of their other corners, is out for the season, I believe. So yep. you put, like, an Atlanta-level secondary against Russell Wilson right now, my confidence has just totally changed in this game. That's that. that's it. And and I want to go over some of the, the people that they have lost. You mentioned some of them. We, we already talked about a couple. On defense, they also lost uh, Leighton Van Der Esch, who's you know, arguably their best player on defense. Demarcus Lawrence is a question mark. He left for the second half of the game last week. Not, not sure if he's going to play this week. Um, they lost Blake Jarwin, their starting tight end. Um, he's out. Uh, so, backup, Sean Lee. And Sean Lee, that's the other, the backup linebacker is out as well. So, like, they are down quite a few folks. Um, Evan, where are you at on this? Yeah, let me actually start off with a trivia question. Okay. The Cowboys pass rush was super, super hyped going into this year, especially once they signed Everson Griffin. How many sacks have they had through two weeks? Two? Nathan, Jeff? Uh, Two. Three. Did you two nerds like look at an article or something? I How'd wrote you know? an article, Evan. I write the articles <laughs> that people read about this stuff. So you nerd, you did your research. You cheated. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they got one by Griffin and one by um, Alden Smith. Demarcus Lawrence got paid and hasn't done anything since. I think as I saw on Twitter today his last sack was like November. 11th of 2019 or something like that. So I, I think this is the worst defense uh, the Seahawks have played through what will be three weeks. I think they are worse than the Falcons defense. I think Russell Wilson is absolutely going to light them up. Combine them, combine that with the fact that this Seahawks offensive line is pretty decent in pass protection. Like let's repeat that. They're decent in pass protection. That is a, Huge, 
Huge deal. Something Russell Wilson has never had in his career with the Seahawks. Not once through nine years. Give him that time. He will slice and dice you. So that that's a huge deal. I, I think just pivoting to the other side of the ball, I, I really respect Dak. And I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he's like a top six, maybe a top five quarterback. I really do think he's that good. Add on to the fact that that offense is, I know they lost Blake Jarwin. I, I know they lost some other pieces, but C lamb is a beast. You know, they've got Amari Cooper. They've got tons of weapons. Zeke Elliott. Um, this, this Seattle defense is gonna, they're going to have to come to play because uh, you saw what you saw, what the Cowboys did against the Falcons. Like, yeah, they went down like 20 to zero, but they were not out of that game. You know, they clawed their way back in. So this Seahawks defense, this is a really good test for them. The secondary, especially there were so many expectations and hopes around this cornerback group. They're going to have a test on, on Sunday. That's for sure. So it's going to be a, uh, I I could see it being a shootout. Yeah. It sure seems like that, Nathan. I mean, (laughs) the, when I did the, the numbers this morning and found out that the Seahawks gave up 11 explosive passes in the first game and 12 explosive passes in the second game and that they hadn't given up more than 10 explosive passes since 2011 and they had never given up more. Like the only time they had given up more than 11 ever in Pete Carroll's era was to the Chargers and Phillip Rivers in 2010. Um, they had 16 in that game, which was crazy. They won that game. They did. That was the Leon Washington. Yeah. Game, right. <laughs> I remember that was just like amazing. Um, yeah. There was a guy. I have to tell this story really quickly. I, I will be very quick. But I was in that game. There was not a lot of people attending. You were in the game? <laughs> where were you playing i was literally have you like a cornerback or what? that's the level of roster they had in 2010 <laughs> let's be honest true. <laughs> i was in the stands and uh philip rivers scored like score touchdown to go ahead something along those lines and this guy is just screaming and cheering like in my ear like literally turned to me and like screamed in my ear the whole time then leon washington returns the kick <laughs> the next play and i just had my hands up the whole time and it felt so good felt so good uh i i love it when people that come into century link field get to leave with their tail between their legs um so um yeah this defense is beginning a lot of explosive passes this is a an offense that certainly has the capability of punishing you that way um is there a reason to think that this will be anything but a shootout you know, is this a game that you can see the Seahawks winning by significant, you know, margin? Or, you know, are you even worried? You, you feel like there's a good chance the Seahawks might not win this game? What's the weather forecast on Sunday? Yeah, everyone oh, in the chat's talking about this. It's supposed to rain. Question. It's supposed to rain. That's because uh, hashtag build Russ a dome is our next movement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I mean, that is. That's my big concern is just the rain. I mean, that's the only thing that makes me think it won't be a shootout. Um, I think even if it doesn't rain, I mean, I think Dallas, that offense is potent enough, like everyone said, that they can keep up and then, you know, um, who knows what, what can happen. But if it rains, then I get a little queasy. <laughs> Maybe he's going to overcome that this year. I mean, for people that don't know, I, I did some research last year based off of whether um, – data that they've got available yes i'm a super geeky guy but um 
And Russell is confirmed. Russell has played significantly worse in the rain um, than he has when it's not raining. Now, there um, are some folks who maintain that it's not the rain, but the wind. And I don't know what the wind forecast is. But, no, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> there have been a lot of, like, criticisms of Russ. He can't throw short middle. He can't do this. He can't do that. He, you know, he doesn't work on a high-volume offense. Not a lot of truth to a lot of that. Um, we're seeing a lot of that kind of fall apart, you know, this year. Uh, but the rain thing uh, seems pretty legit. <laughs> Well, I'm seeing the weather forecast that is 67 and sunny for Sunday. So, you know, I, I think we're good. I'm going to choose. Wow, to that's a freezing day. Unreal. We had beautiful weather today, uh, Evan. I golfed. Gray, it was 95 today. Rain. It was 95 and sunny today. No, no, that'd be terrible. <laughs> I literally good was, weather. I was literally swinging at golf balls that were in puddles. Um today so yeah you are a committed golfer i am wasn't there lightning today wasn't there a lightning warning or is that tomorrow i think that's tomorrow yeah okay at least i didn't notice i i my hair's already curly at least the hairs (laughs) that i have so um yeah so i mean i gotta say guys like i agree with i agree with evan um that this is this is a significantly worse defense than we played last week significantly worse and i think much like is not coached nearly as well either. So like from a scheme perspective, from a talent perspective, not as good. CX put up 35 points last week. And I think they could have scored more um, than they did. So I look at this game and I'm like, the Seahawks should score 40. Like, I I think that's a a reasonable thing. They should at least be expected to score, you know, mid to high thirties again. And then the question is, can the, can the defense hold Dallas under that? And as well as Dallas has been playing, I mean, I don't, I don't think they're going to score that against the Seahawks on Sunday. I, I you, think, yeah, go ahead, Evan. You know what an interesting matchup to watch is just piggybacking off of what you said, Brian. Seattle's run defense, as we mentioned, it is like top two in the NFL through two weeks. The Cowboys love to run the football. They love to feed Zeke. Could you see a scenario where they do like the reverse Cowboys to Seahawks scenario from the wild card playoff game where the Cowboys just stick to the run and and won't stop doing it or no potential for that whatsoever? Seems unlikely with the analytics revolution down there in Dallas, or at least the professor <laughs> analytics re- revolution. The other thing about that game was – it was a close game the whole time because Dallas wasn't doing great either, which made Pete more committed. But if Russell's putting up like 40 points or something, they can't have that game. We'll get out of it fast. Brian. So you don't think they're going to pull a reverse cowboy. <laughs> you should stop saying that. Um, you sure? <laughs> <God damn> <laughs> you are such a mature adult. When I saw that, who like what is the other meaning of reverse cowboy and uh, like there is no other no one that's not a phrase that you say there's not like a it doesn't mean something other than that i'm a pure innocent soul trying to talk about football (laughs) yeah so um what was the question Do I think that this? Do I think that the Cowboys are going to be stopped running the ball? Is that the question? The question was: Do you think the Cowboys could pull a reverse Cowboy against Which the is, Seahawks? In your mind, what? 
from the Seahawks Cowboys wild card playoff game. <laughs> Uh, you need to stop laughing. This I is see. stupid. This is stupid. Do I you see. think they're going to run the football too much? You think that, okay, so you're asking if they're going to get too stubborn running the football against the defense that's stopping the run. That's what you're asking. Yes. And and yeah, I do think that's possible. I do think that's possible. And um, I also wait. Believe, I'm like, still not clear. <laughs> <laughs> is it that that Dallas will get too conservative, or that yes. Seattle will get too aggressive? He's asking, no. he's basically asking if we can if we can reverse places with the Cowboys from where we were in the playoff game a couple of years ago, and that the Cowboys will be the team that gets stubborn about running the ball when they're not doing well. And it's a reverse cowboy. It is not that. That's uh, not ever what it's going to be called. Not no. <laughs> This is a family show, even with you on it, and uh, we're working on it, folks. So, so sorry about that. But, but here's the other thing: I think people are, I think people are a little bit too down on the Seahawks secondary. As much as we were too up on them before, they were without Quandre Diggs the entire game last week. He's pretty friggin' important for the way that they play defense. Jamal Adams was asked to do things. Jeff, you made this point in the post game show. I think you were spot on about it. Jamal's not the guy you want covering. Julian Edelman deep. And he was doing that too often. Um, they lost Marquise Blair in the, in that game and had to throw in a new guy that wasn't necessarily expecting to play. Um, we saw Quentin Dunbar make two breaks on the, on the football, picked off one of them, should have had two. Um, he started to show why he's a, a good cornerback and why he can add. It's just the second week. It's not like it's been 10 weeks since he's done anything. Second week, second game, he picked a ball off. So, I think there's reasons. And I even would say Shaquille, he didn't get burned in that game. There were not a lot of plays where I was seeing like in the first week, Shaquille was six yards away from the receiver every time they caught the ball. I wasn't seeing that on Sunday. So um, I saw a lot of safeties and a lot of uh, linebackers getting beat for, for plays um, in the game against new England. I, I think that with Diggs back, I, I think there's reason to believe that the, the secondary would be better this time. What's so funny, Evan? What do you think is so funny? I'm not laughing. Uh-huh. We'll see. Principal's calling on you. You're going to you're going to get sent to the corner here in a second. Do you guys remember the Derek Anderson press conference? Why were you were they were asking him why he was laughing when they were getting blown out and he, nothing is funny to me. I wasn't laughing. Nothing is funny to me. Evan, you even look like a tiny bit like Derek Anderson? <laughs> Excuse tiny, tiny. There's me. Enough, there's enough of a resemblance. Anyway, Are sorry. You, Carry on. You play in Arizona one year? A little bit. You got the no way. Hold up. Hold. Oh, host disabled participant screen sharing. This guy. Well, which actually, one are you looking at? Because there's some of them where you, you know. I'm looking at his time in Carolina. This no, guy looks okay. like a freaking. Look, uh, look at this is not great podcasting. Look at Arizona. Look at Arizona. Arizona. Arizona Search Arizona Derek Anderson. Everybody go to Google right now. Not oh. terrible. Okay. Okay. My boy. A bit. Okay. Wow. That's I well, that's their skin tone is similar. I do kind of okay. That's pretty right. good. I don't, I now, don't want... now go look at his the the that the picture you're probably looking at with like the red striped shirt or whatever <laughs> is from this press conference I'm talking about. Amazing press conference meltdown. If anyone wants a laugh, yeah, it's a great one. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> okay. 
Derek I don't Anderson. know what happened to this podcast. I've clearly lost all control. Um, uh, I am happy to report, Evan, you're going to have another patron to add to uh, to Slack channel. Peggy, welcome. Just saw you joined. Uh, other folks, patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Anytime, join up, add you to the Slack channel. I love making Evan do stuff. It's my favorite thing to do every day. Um, uh, and uh, we... We're going to do something with Burgermaster pretty soon. We haven't figured out the exact plan, but uh, we're going to be doing some taste testing uh, and some product reviewing, I think, and uh, hopefully figure out something where we can get some uh, some goodness for patrons as well. we'll, we'll Nathan, do you have a Burgermaster near you? I do. I want to say I have two. I yeah. definitely okay. have one. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So I'll, I'll get it, it delivered to both of you and we'll just do it live. More to come I, on that later. I feel like we should take our laptops to the drive-in and just uh, do the, the show uh, there um, that week. That'd be fun. Um, all right. So <laughs> people in the chat are like, do not let Evan get involved with anything to do with food. They don't want your opinion when it comes to the food. But you like Burger Master. Burger Master is the best burger chain in Washington State. And Brian 100% agrees with me. It's excellent. I love Burger Master. He agrees. It's the best burger chain in Washington. The shakes State. are actually really, really, really good too. Um, yeah. Should we go through these? Should we go through these Patreon questions, or do we still want to talk about the Cowboys a little bit more? I want to talk about a couple other things, just really quick. Like, I'm not on I, a time constraint, so am, am I? Am I like completely crazy to be excited about Freddie Swain? Yeah, probably. You think so? This is the Malik Turner situation all over. Is again. it? Yes, it is. Yes. I love, I love under the radar receivers. Okay, but what did you say about this play earlier? What play earlier? The 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 well, I assume you're talking about the Freddie Swain touchdown. Right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, that it wasn't the receiver that that was the. It was just a perfectly credit. schemed play, right? Agreed. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, I just I like what I see from him. Um, what about David Moore? His catch was insane. That like reverse toe drag or whatever the heck he did, where he like brought it from what felt like out of bounds in the air to it pull was. back. Like that did that defied physics. I don't understand how he caught that. Let me ask you this. Josh Gordon comes back. He gets reinstated. Any hesitation at all? about having him take David Moore's snaps. No. If he takes David Moore's snaps, it's because they always compete. And I have 100% faith in... That is not true. ...competition. (laughs) No, I mean, yeah, he's going to have to earn that. Uh, The thing that's really exciting about David Moore is I don't think we've seen him do anything that we haven't seen him do before. He's had some of these amazing catches. Like, he had that fourth down... That was the fourth down touchdown catch against Detroit a couple years ago, right? Carolina. Uh, didn't he have one against Detroit too? He had a bunch of catches against Detroit, but I don't know if it was fourth down, but yes. Yeah. Anyways. So we've seen him do the crazy toe tapping stuff. We've seen him with the ball in his hand. Look great. Um, what's really encouraging is that it almost feels like Seattle has figured him out. Like he's obviously figured some stuff out and is playing that his most consistent, but Seattle seems to now have a good understanding of how to use him and that they can, you know, focus on him a little bit and with, with his yak ability. And then he's there to just do these insane circus catches. If Russ needs to throw one up. Okay. Philip Dorsett. 
if he comes back, do you want him taking David Moore snaps? No. I don't. Some areas, yeah. Why? Tell me more, Jeff. Last year they got caught up, and Nathan just mentioned this. I totally agree with that. They were throwing up a lot of these deep jump balls last year in, like, the red area. And that's – I know he had that touchdown on the sidelines last week, but that's not his game. He's better in space, better at the ball in his hands. And I think if you want to add another deep field, like, down the field threat, I think that's where I see Dorsett as a great fit if he can get his foot right. Because his deep speed is with Russell is just a dynamic combination. But if you're taking away those like middle of the field short plays for Dorsett, like that's not his game. New England tried that lot with him last year and it doesn't fit. I mean, honestly, though, you know, I would love for anyone to come in and take more snaps because it means they're probably playing better than more, right? I mean, obviously, they shouldn't just hand anyone those snaps he's playing at a level where somebody's gonna have to beat him out yeah i think josh gordon to me is the guy that it's not hard to imagine like yeah i want him on the field i think he affects i think he affects coverage differently and i think there's plays that we saw from him last year that i just think i would be okay with but i gotta say david moore to me is like hand in glove so far for that third receiver and what he's doing like i think he he's really complimenting what tyler and dk do he does not need the ball a bunch of times a game and he's impacting each game he's been in. So um, that's just a couple of things I, I wanted to talk about before we, we take one more. One more. Are okay. you guys are you guys a little concerned about Will Disley's limited action through two weeks? Do you think it's just Greg Olson getting more reps? Or do you think they're bringing Disley on a little bit slower from injury? What's your guys' thoughts there? He has like three receptions for like 27 yards or something. Yeah. I mean, th- there was two targets to tight ends overall last week. And one yeah. of them went through, through Olsen's hands and the other one Disley caught. And it was in the first series, I think, uh, you know, like, so yeah, I just don't think they've been a big part of the game plan. And I think that's great. I think it means that there's a whole part of the playbook that they have not yet shown and, and had to utilize. And I, I have, every bit of confidence that those guys are going to be a big part of the offense by the end of the year. Okay. Yeah, it's hard to be concerned about anything with the offense. Like what, what, what more would they be doing on offense if they somehow were integrating with Disley better? Like, uh, I don't know. They're, they seem to be doing all right. Should we go through these Patreon questions? I've got one, two, three, four, five, six and potentially yeah. more. I mean, I think we do have to acknowledge that Russell had more incompletions than touchdown passes last week, which was trending the wrong way. So we don't want to see that anymore. So this is a really interesting one. Um, And I've seen this asked a few times. Do you guys see the Hawks bringing Shakim up, promoting him up from practice squad to the active roster with Bruce Irvin's injury? Go ahead. They have that thing now that you can activate two practice squad players without impacting the roster. And I believe Rush was the guy last game. I think Griffin will be the guy this game. Why is that? I think he fits what their deficiencies are. And with the snaps from Urban out of the game, I think he's a guy that can kind of play special teams a little bit if you're giving more pass rushing snaps to other guys. And I think he's a guy you can throw in in sub packages. Brian or Nathan, any thoughts there? Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, 
we know Jordan Brooks is going to slide in at Sam. They've already shown their hand that Alton Robinson is going to take Russia and snaps. Those are the things at least they've said. They could be lying, but it seems like that's right. Those are the two things where Shaquem Griffin could help. I mean, he played Sam last year, and I thought he played okay. Um, he made some plays, and I he played Rush End last year and made some plays. Like, quite honestly, he had some games last year that were better than the, the two Rush End games we've seen so far this year for for our, our starters. Um, so I think he I think he could be of value, but I think he's got guys ahead of him, and I think even is it DeAndre Campbell? Can't remember if I've got the DeAndre name. Walker. Walker, thank you. Um, he also I'm, is. I'm always very consistent with player names, so happy to have any time. Well, you pronounce his name well, so he's probably really good. So uh, he is. He's also a Sam and also a Rush, and potentially. So I feel like they got two guys stacked ahead of Shaquem. Um, that's why I think it's less likely. But I had the same question, and th- and that's just where I've come out. Is I, I think that I don't think they're going to utilize him anytime soon, unless another injury happens. Nathan, anything to add? Nope. All right. So this next question is maybe one of my favorite questions I've ever asked on this show. Okay. This is a really good one. What is the biggest threat to the Seahawks potential Super Bowl, Super Bowl run besides two things, the pass rush and injuries? What's the biggest threat? Let's just go round table. Uh, Jeff, why don't you go first? Jeff's internet. No, no, internet's fine. <laughs> um, That's the biggest threat. <laughs> the biggest threat is that they go away from their strength right now, which is reverting to a running balance, slow the game down, because the way they play defense, they can't win like that. So themselves, them being themselves with coaching mistakes is the biggest threat. Let's be, let's be clear. Their biggest threat to them is Pete Carroll. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right. Not wrong. You're asking if I think that the biggest threat is well, Pete Carroll. Who's got a better yeah. answer? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, don't think that's a crazy, outrageous claim, though. No, I, I know where it's coming from. I, I think there's a couple things I'd say. So first of all, I think I think the secondary is not the pass rush, and the secondary could absolutely, if it's not good. <laughs> if it's as bad as it's been, which is pretty historically bad through two games, then it could absolutely unravel um, the team's chances. Um, so that's that's one thing. The other I would say that people may not either agree with, which I don't really mind either way um, or, or see it the same way. Russell actually has had some different periods where he slumped. Um, his, his uh, rookie, I think his rookie year or 2013, the last four games of that season, he, he struggled. Um, we saw he was playing at an MVP level going into the San Francisco game. He threw that pick at the end zone and, and then just wasn't quite himself for the next like three or four weeks. And I'm not saying that pick was the reason, but his level of play just went down. There's plays he wasn't making. So, you know, if that's timed poorly and it ends up costing the team, um, you know, uh, a seeding position that would be beneficial and they have to face a team in a, in, in green Bay or something like that. That could be a reason why uh, their hopes could, could, could be dashed. 
So I'll answer this one before Nathan does. It's a pretty obvious one, but it's an outside threat. It's the NFC West uh, through two weeks. This division is seven and one. They are the best division in football. I think there are legitimately, I think all four teams are legitimately all strong playoff contenders. They'll, I mean, I think there's, I haven't seen the math on it, Nathan, technically, but I, I think technically all four NFC West teams could make the playoffs with this expanded like 17 playoff scenario. So I want to say I saw something that they're currently all favored to make the playoffs. Yeah. Are they no. be- yeah, better than 50%? I think if you're ranking five. NFC teams right now, I think four of the five best are in the NFC West. Yeah. So let me let me answer this question in a very logical way. The only way for the Seahawks to reach the Super Bowl, in my opinion, is to get that number one seed, that that home field advantage. I think matter? the no- what was that? Does that matter without fans? I think there will be fan. I think there could potentially be fans. It matters where it, where you're playing in in January, Jeff. That's the one thing. So like, I, I it doesn't matter if 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 it was the Cowboys or the 49ers or something like that or Arizona that had the number one seed. I actually don't think it matters. If it if it's Green Bay that has the number one seed, it kind of matters. Sure. Uh, an NFC West team is going to is going to win that number one spot. Would you guys disagree with me? Yeah, I'd say Green Bay probably does because of their division. I'm not convinced that they are for real. Yeah, but just the same thing. The the reasons that you said it would be the the biggest threat to the Seahawks is the division. It's the and it's a threat to every team in the division. Like, um, yeah, I think you're going to see somebody like the Saints, the Packers, get it just because they have an easier. Maybe they're not. Saints did not look good though. Drew Brees is in trouble. Drew Brees. He was missing wide open throws. <laughs> throw the ball beyond ten yards. So we'll that see. was the team we'll I see. thought. But, but to answer my, to, still yeah. I was Finish just gonna say, I, it's it's the NFC West. It's gonna be a blood bloodbath this year. And if if the Seahawks want to win the Super Bowl, get to the Super Bowl, they have to get that number one seed, and they have to perform well in these divisional games. So that is Can my answer. Can we do answer. a quick uh, where rank rank your rank your NFC West teams right now? Outside of Seattle, let's assume everyone's got Seattle as, as one. Well, does um, everyone have Seattle as one? Is that fair? I think Do we have any Cardinals fans weeks. on here. Are you hesitating? Cardinals look really good. <laughs> <laughs> Kyler Murray looks really, really good. Like, really, really good. Dark Horse MVP. Like, I'm not even trolling though. Like the, they look He's got really an 83 good. passer rating. Ma- passer rating, smash rating. That's rating doesn't account for running. Yeah. No, Russell's, Russell's doing fine running too. By is the it? Way. Is sure. it? Does anybody disagree with Cardinals, Rams, 49ers? Well, wait, in that order? Hawks are one. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 But then those three. Okay. The following three. That's what I was reacting to. Yeah, I disagree because the one that makes me hesitate for Seattle at number one is the Rams. Rams. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have the Rams over the Cardinals. Yeah. Tell me why. They smashed a bad team and they beat a team and held the Cowboys to just 17 points. And we, I mean, the Cowboys are, are probably in a weird state right here with a new coach and all this. And it's a weird season, but you know, they, they looked good defensively and then they smashed a bad team and we've seen what they've been in the past. So uh, they make me a little nervous. Yeah. For me, it's the two areas of the team I thought would be 
really troublesome based on just personnel. I thought their offensive line and their defense, losing Wade Phillips and all those free agents, <laughs> both units look really good so far. And we know we all share pretty similar thoughts on Sean McVay and what he can do. So I've, I've been surprised how good the offensive line and their defense has been because I thought both those would suck. So I, I Evan, I still – I still got it as the only thing that's changed for me is that the Rams have jumped the 49ers because of the injuries, but I still have the 49ers over the Cardinals as a threat. I, I, have, it, <laughs> I have it Rams 49ers Cardinals still. I think, I think it's easy to, it's easy to just set aside the 49ers um, because of all the injuries and what's happened there. I think people are, but Sleep, sleeping a little bit on that team, Ryan. The Cardinals went into San or Santa Clara yeah. in Week One with that team at full health, or okay, more than full health <laughs> than they currently are. Yes. And you and you just don't think it is indicative of what will come? No, I, I don't. I, I I still I still believe that the Cardinals. Um, I, I don't think that they're proven over over longer period of time so <laughs> yeah I, i'm not as concerned about the cardinals but um we'll see uh i've got a couple more questions we can run through um what's everyone thought everyone's thoughts on jaron reed through two games we're background. screwing around with her backgrounds what was the question <laughs> a very serious football analyst could you please respond sure. uh what are the seahawks what's your thoughts on jaron reed through two weeks nathan why don't you take this one he looks fine yeah i, I, uh, I wish they hadn't paid him so much money um, i wasn't gonna come to brian on this question trust me <laughs> trust well, i'm me. curious i mean brian is the one that oh boy I, well we all have our priors and you know should admit that and i you know I, I was not optimistic about Reed looking like the 11 sack guy. I mean, I think he looks more like the in between, right? Um, or more like the guy he's been every year but that year, uh, which is fine. I mean, especially on this defense, that's worth something, um, but it's not worth uh, 10 or 11 million or whatever they're paying him. We should be clear, though. I think he's been a big part of their run defense and what has led them to success through, through two weeks. Would you agree? Um, I just haven't, I don't know. He hasn't seemed to stand out to me much in either way. So no, I'm not going to put a, give him a ton of credit, but you know, he's not making mistakes or he's not bad either. So Brian, I think this is overblown. honestly, like I'm not like some huge Jaron Reed fan. <laughs> like that's not, it's never been the case. All I've said is, you know, I think they they've they've guaranteed him 13 million. Um, they can get out of that contract if they choose to. I think that that's if you know I think that's reasonable to get some level of a defensive line starter. He has had double digit sacks in a season. Um, there's been only two other Seahawks defensive interior players that have ever done that in franchise history. Is it like and he's you know and he's a young player? Is it like totally unreasonable that they that they signed him for thirteen? I don't think so. I don't think that's some outlandish number. That's basically it. And I think has he played? How has he played this year? He's played like Jaron Reed. He's like he's a he's an above average run defender. 
Um, have not seen much pass rush from him. Do I think that he could get to five sacks if you had a actual quality starting defensive end to for him to play like, with, like he did with Frank Clark? Yeah, I think I think it's possible that he can be a five plus sack player. So I have no problem with Jaron Reed. He is he is who he thought he was, um, and we'll see if if any of the pass rush comes to fruition. I mean, honestly, he's the least of the people I'm looking for pass rush from. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm all in on Brian Monet. That's all I got for Patreon questions. You got one more. I don't, where are you getting these? I actually don't see any of these. Oh, this is in the Slack thread. Oh, I'm in the Slack you, thread. That's my, my thread. I started that thread. I, I started another thread, nerd. Oh, were there questions above my thread? You started, oh, boy. Wow. Oh, boy. Did I miss uh, like 47? All right. Uh, well, there's one more here. Uh, this one's from Robin, um, and this has been talked about quite a bit. So, w- would you guys be willing to trade Finney if he's worth anything uh, for like a similar level level pass rusher, or do you want to hold on to him? Are you is there still a place for him, even if it's just depth? I was thinking about. <laughs> So about BJ Finney. <laughs> Don't trade BJ Finney. I think that uh, he, I think Pete opened up the door today. People might not realize it from his press conference, but he talked about that they're still competing at center. Um, I think what he's talking about is Posick's doing fine. He said it again. Posick knows the offense and knows the calls, and there's familiarity there, and that's been fine. I still think we're going to see BJ Finney start for the Seahawks before the year's over. And it's not just about him starting, though. Like, if there's a key injury among one of those interior players, he's, I feel pretty confident in him coming in and the offensive line not completely blowing up. I think yeah. that depth is important. I really do. Yeah. It has been interesting. Jeff, it's interesting, though. We've seen them work in Jordan Simmons at guard. Yeah. And, is- and, oh, oh, oh. We are going to talk about Jamarco Jones. <laughs> Jamarco Jones has been slandered on this show because of one game. Every other game he's played, he's been good. He had one really bad game and is like never going to get another chance again. He came in at left tackle, not at right tackle, at left tackle <clears throat> for a series and was good. He was good. So get off of that. He's he's good. He's not um, a tackle. He's a good guard. He's a good guard. You guys are wrong. <laughs> you are flat wrong. Well, wrong. I was one of the few uh, Brandon Shell fans. You know who we else also haven't talked about? Damian Lewis through two weeks. We talk about him all the time. What are you talking about? On the show today? You, have we talked about him talk tonight? About is Damian Lewis like basically? It's like hello, Damian Lewis. We we don't talk about him enough. Pro Football Focus, which is only good when it confirms our priors, has him as like a top three run blocker in the NFL. Guard, guard, run blocking guard through two weeks, right? I'm not wrong. He's the third ranked rookie of any position or something like that. That's that's a big deal. Well, you know, honestly, jokes aside, um, who have the Seahawks drafted at offensive line since Mike Solari has been aboard? Yeah. Jamarco. 
Haynes. Haynes. And Lewis. Right? We're forgetting somebody, but yeah. I think that there's some evidence growing that the Seahawks may be starting to figure out how to acquire offensive linemen that can play football. Get Tom Cable in the building. I've, I always, I mean, we talked, we, we fought about Tom Cable. I never had question about how bad Tom Cable was at influencing personnel decisions. That was the number one thing that I thought Tom Cable was bad at and getting that out of the room all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're making some, some, I think some pretty decent choices. Do we want to talk about how Jermaine Ifedi has been absolutely prolific with Chicago through two weeks or how Tom Cable has been prolific in, in Las Vegas? Was Fetty good both games, or was it just last week? Uh, better last week, but decent week one. It's not that shocking. He's playing guard. I mean, I know. And even when P was talking about Shell, he was taking some swipes at Fetty the other day. Oh yeah. What would he say? He just kept no. talking about the right side of the line. Like well, he just—he kept saying like the number one thing it's nice to have there is like reliability and someone we can trust, and like someone who looks competent. Like good. He, that was very directed at Jermaine Effetti. I thought yeah. he was taking shots not just at Effetti, but at Fluker too, like indirectly. But he just kept talking about the right side of the line. The right side of the line has not been amazing. They've just been competent for the most part. Um, I think Damian Lewis, as much as he's been, I think, good for a rookie and definitely good in run blocking. Guy's got three holding penalties in two weeks. Like, I, I don't think that he's been stellar. Um, in pass protection. So um... the Fetty thing is so fascinating because like by all accounts, everybody hated that dude, like not fans, but like teammates, right? Yep. Like there's, there's all kind like you're talking about now with Pete saying weird stuff. Like there's that video of Sherman mic'd up where he was like, you know, Fetty just can't help himself or Fetty going to Fetty or whatever he said. And there's other things too that I've kind of leaked out about how like nobody likes him he wasn't very good. Uh, Pete now is suddenly like relieved apparently to not have him anymore. Anymore, but the dude was like a mainstay for what four years, five years, four years. How? 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 And you know what? Do you? George fans playing right tackle now, right? Yeah, for the Jets. So that was the other big thing is that, oh, well, George Fant doesn't want to play right tackle. He wants to play left tackle. That's why he left Seattle, so he can be left tackle. Well, he went to the Jets. They drafted Mekti Becton, uh, Mek- Becton uh, and now he's playing right tackle. And, like, so you had this dude, and you hated this other dude, and everybody hated that dude, and Frank Clark sucker punched him and knocked him clean, clean out. And he just started week after week after week and was a disaster. How? But, Why? But, but find the first round pick. Uh, but that was that was a that was a long ago pick, and I will I'll tell you something I was wrong about. I was pretty upset that they let Fant walk. Um, I wanted him at right tackle. I thought he would be better than than Brandon Shell for sure at right tackle. Fant, you know, at least through two games, has not been better than Shell. Like. His, his grades over at PFF are like 59 in the first game and 63 in the second game. And Effetti, yes, he had a good pass blocking grade um, in the second game, but Effetti hasn't been <laughs> that good. He's still, he's still below 70 grade. Um, he's a 67 overall. So, I mean, you're not talking about 
like all of a sudden he's like a 90 he's an elite guard just dominating i mean we're just but it's like, almost 10 points higher than pff has ever had him rated before <laughs> <laughs> well it's true it's true so i don't know i mean I just I'm encouraged by the fact that it looks like the process by which that they're making offensive line decisions seems to have been markedly approved. That's a big deal. And I think we're starting to see the fruit that come to fruition this year um, in, a, in a couple of games. Um, all right, boys, we've been at it for 90. Um, anything? Oh, we've got to do predictions. Of course, we've got to do predictions. Uh, Evan, give me a score of this game. Do you want to know the line? Sure. Yeah. All right. Oh, we got another patron signed up, man. Oh my gosh. Keep coming. They're going to keep coming. Um, I'm going to my favorite site, which is Vegas insider and NFL odds. Come on. There we go. Vegas odds. It's like it's four and a half, five point favorites for Seattle. Okay. Always late. There's always blend. So, um, gosh, darn it. Where I'm going to go. I'll go ahead and just give you a yeah, pretty simple ahead. projection. Go I think ahead. it's 35, 21 Seahawks. Okay. The Seahawks are favored by five. Okay. Oh, what's the, uh, what's the, uh, over under. Yeah. 55 and a half. So the line opened at three and a half and it's moved to five. Hmm. I, think the, I think the injury 55? news. Yeah, it's a five. It's like a 30 to 25 game, right? Uh, that's math. Yeah. Good math. Nathan, yeah. I knew you. I had you on here for a reason. I know nerds. <clears throat> so wait, so what did you say, Evan? Because I wasn't listening. 35-21. 35-21 Seahawks. Okay. That's, Nathan? You guys are predicting this to be a lower scoring game than the Patriots game? Not well. Well, Seahawks scored 35, right? Yeah, but the Patriots scored 30. No, well, that was off of pick six. So they scored 23 on offense. Okay. So I don't think the Cowboys score more than 21. Okay. Uh... You're allowed to have your own prediction, Nathan, (laughs) as is Evan. Let's move along. What would you like your prediction to be? Um, We always... There's always these games where it just seems like it's going to go one way and then it goes the, the exact opposite way and all the pundits are like, ah, look how dumb we are. And I could definitely see that being the case, you know, next week. Uh, but I think this one's really going to be what it feels like it's going to be. And so I'm going to go something crazy like 55-48. Holy Ooh, that oh, would kill me. 55 to that would take years off my life. Oh my god. And, <laughs> this, and who's Dallas winning? Atlanta was 40 39 last week. Who's winning? Uh Seahawks. Okay. Jeff. This team has some 50 burgers in it. The 2012 team had two, three. Yeah. This one's gonna this, Seattle's gonna score 50 points in a game sometime. And we all just talked about how bad this Cowboys defense is, and the offense is gonna push them to the to pass more, they're already letting Russ cook. I think this could just be insane. I'll go, go 38-31 Seattle. 38-31. I think that's a good score, Jeff. Um, Brian. Yeah, yeah. No, the correct answer is 40 to 21. That's that's uh okay. I have one more request, prediction request. What yeah. is Matt Calkins score <sighs> prediction going to be? He actually asked a question in the presser today, and I was just wanted them to be like 
Matt, you don't get to ask questions because you just troll the team all the time. Um, <laughs> uh, for folks that don't know who Matt Calkins is, he's a Seattle Times columnist, sports columnist, who uh, every week pretty much picks against the Seahawks. And it's just super annoying. Um, I think I pretty much send a picture of his pick to the to the chat every week. Just like, what is it with this guy? Anyway, yeah, Calkins will say that they can't stop Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott, and this secondary is too bad, and the pass rush is too bad, and the the Cowboys will win by seven or something like that. That's what he'll say. Go Seahawks. Go Michael Dixon. I, I. You know what? No. Go Jason Myers. Perfect through two weeks. Absolutely I, perfect. I, Guess what? No, no, no. You're not. You're not. You guys are not realizing a stat here. You're completely glossing over this. Russell Wilson has made more mistakes than Jason Myers through two weeks. I mean, technically, every time Jason Myers takes the field, it's a mistake. <laughs> So <laughs> you <yeah>. asshole. <laughs> you, you, you got me off the Dixon thing, but come on, dude, you can't tell me that it's not nice that it isn't just great to have him kicking the way he's kicking right now. Like when your defense is playing <laughs> this badly, uh, you know, when you do have to punt to, to give them the full field, man. I mean, I don't know. I, I get a lot of pleasure out of not seeing them burn yards on special teams. It's been nice. Big Dicko is uh, doing well. Very good. Okay. So everybody go find a cowboy. Uh... <laughs> I'm just going to leave Evan pause there for a second. Uh, Evan will give you instructions later about which direction to be. But uh, if you haven't already and you, you, are crazy enough to be listening, but you have not subscribed, please do click subscribe, click the little bell. You'll get notified when we go live. I have to say, it seems less and less likely we're going to have some random go live because of a Seahawks big defensive line acquisition, <laughs> which I think we've been hoping for, for months, but uh, you know, we'll see. Um, so keep an eye on the show. Um, we will do our post game show this week. So the games at one twenty-five. you can expect us to go live after that, um, on Sunday, uh, with post game show, Evan is our host. Um, that is not a family friendly show. Evan won't be our host. I'm getting a reminder. No, not this be. weekend. <laughs> um, you will be, I will be hosting, but, uh, join us then. And, uh, again, join at patreon.com slash Hawk blogger, five bucks, get you in. And, uh, we will see you over there. Until then, everybody enjoy your week. Go Hawks.